Welcome to the LBCF podcast. Our vision is to learn to live and love like Jesus, where we live, work, and play. To find out more about our community, you can visit us at lbcf.org. We hope you are encouraged and challenged by this teaching from our community. All right. All right. This is going to be a while, I understand. I'll just roam around. Good morning. Happy Easter to all of you. He is risen. Okay, so if you're new to, to church, um, that's one of the only like, things that you really have to figure out. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Okay, now we're all on the same page. My name is Ryan. I'm the teaching pastor here at Long Beach Christian Fellowship. And I, can we pull up that uh, picture of the Seder meal again? As I was at this event, and if you were there, um, I'm not sure if you experienced it the same way that I did, but um, it just felt like such a beacon moment for our community who has, had, who has spent so much time apart from each other. I was, I was scrolling through our YouTube page just trying to um, get a uh, sense on what the last year has looked like because even though a year ago today, we were in our parking lot or we were on our patio because we weren't allowed to be inside yet, and I was scrolling through, and if you scroll through, it's like this weird, uh, this, this progress of um, being inside at church. We had figured out streaming for about seven seconds before COVID hit, which was um, really inconvenient for the amount of time I put into figuring that out. I was very frustrated. Um, and then it's like Zoom, and it was Zoom for a few months. And it looked horrible, and it was horrible. And then it was, okay, now we're back on the patio. And that's, that's where we had Easter last year. And I'm just remembering how much time a year can be because it feels like years ago that we were on the patio, right? Like it feels like that was a very long time ago, but we've actually only been inside since like last August. And so for me... It's so encouraging to be able to be here and to see all of you and to actually see faces. Like for me, just being together at an event like this, being together in this building today is, is a resurrection moment. It feels like life has found its way through as it always does. And so I'm so blessed to be amongst such amazing people. The, when that was over, there was a lot of stuff to clean up. And everybody just helped out. We're in a community of people who are walking in that resurrected reality all the time. And so for me, it's an honor to be able to be here um, and teach today on the resurrection. Um, I was talking to somebody at an event because um, when I'm not doing, uh, when I'm not a pro-Christian um, up here teaching, I'm also a photographer. And so I'm in a lot of um, areas where People have a variety of opinions about what being a pastor means. And so I was sharing with somebody that I was preparing for my message, and they're like, Easter, oh yeah, it's your big season. And I was like, my big season, that's a very weird way I've never heard Easter talked about. Like, like oh, this is our, this is our big season, you're right, okay. Um, some people have called it the Super Bowl of the church, and I'm like, well, we have a lot of strange ways of talking about Easter. Um, but today, if you have your Bible or a Bible app or 
Um, if you've come to church completely unprepared, I've got you covered up on the screens. But um, we're reading from Luke 24, and we are also going to be um, touching base in Matthew 28 and John 21. So if you want to leave a marker in either of those places, um, I'm going to be reading from Luke 24 as sort of our anchor today. It says, But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee? that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. And while they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not. See, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. There's a lot here. There's a lot there. Um, if any of you have ever felt like church goes long, Jesus gives them like a two and a half hour sermon about everything in the Old Testament. And so that's what we're going to be doing today. Um, so cancel lunch plans. It's church time. Um, actually, what I do want is if by, if by like 9.55, if I'm not wrapping it up, I need somebody to just be willing Somebody that maybe that's already in your blood, willing to like shut me down and say like, time to wrap this up. Holly, Holly has me. 
Holly's always got me when it comes time to like, hey, wrap this up. So, all right, we are going to be talking about Easter. We're going to be talking about the resurrection. It's something that I know I need to talk about. It's something that I need to talk about because as I was um, here on Thursday at the foot washing gathering, I was talking with our with our via, and I was saying how much, in the midst of things being crazy, how important it is for us to talk about this, how important it is for us to remember this event, to work this event, this invitation into our imaginations, to actually reframe the way we see the world in light of a resurrected reality. And so I knew that as I was preparing this, it was so important for me just in preparing this to talk about this event. I was at Home Depot on Thursday, and I have some people who said they saw me there, and I was zeroed in, and I was shopping for stuff, but I was thinking through as I do. I'm kind of preparing my message as I do things throughout the week, and so it's sort of hard to get my attention on things, and I'm, and I'm in this, and I'm clearly being super holy, and I'm shopping, and I'm, and I'm super Christian, pro-Christian, as I explained. And then somebody cuts in line for me in the thing, and I'm like, and then all of a sudden my sermon goes somewhere else, and it is replaced with anger, and it is replaced with vengeance, and it is unfair that that person cut me off. And then somebody saw him cut me off and gave me a look like, oh, I saw him cut you off. And I'm like, I know. <laughs> and I was like, oh, it felt so good for somebody to see and validate how unfair that was. And then I go out to the parking lot, and I'm like, okay, back to sermon mode after I've judged this person, back into sermon mode, and I go out to the parking lot, and I see people that leave their carts next to their cars and don't put them in the return thing. And I don't, I don't do a lot of things well. I'm not a holy person, but I consider myself better than a lot of people in that category. Um, so I'm judging everybody now. So I'm like, oh, I immediately just give up this whole sermon prep for, again, judging other people who aren't doing things as well as I am. And I'm remembering as I leave that place, I'm like, that's how quick, that's how close I am at any moment to leaving this story behind. I'm that close at every moment to leaving this story behind and exchanging it for judging other people, for anger, for jealousy, laziness, whatever it is. I'm always that close. And so for me, it is so important. And for us in a world where it, there is a lot of things grasping for our attention that's saying, hang your hope on this, we're always that close. And so the more that we can talk about this, the more, the more that we can reflect on this story and work it into our imaginations, the better we will be when that temptation comes up to abandon this reality for other things. So I need this as much as anyone else. And um, it was embarrassingly um, um, obvious to me shopping at Home Depot. But um, when we talk about Christmas, and I'm, I'm going to go back a little bit, when we talk about Advent, we talk about it as a celebration, right? We are celebrating Christmas, and it's obvious there are toys, and there are uh, Christmas lights, and um, there's a whole inauguration of the Christmas spirit, which is a huge church divide, whether it needs to happen before or after Thanksgiving. Um, some people have real opinions on that. 
But there is a obvious celebratory experience there. But when it comes to Easter, resurrection, um, yeah, we dress up a little nicer. Some of us have meals with the people that we care about the most. But how we actually look at the event of that day can get kind of tricky. We don't really know how to talk about it because is it a celebration? I mean, we just watched, I mean, and you see in the text as well, the people there are not super celebratory right away, even when they come to terms with the fact that he has risen. Some of them were afraid, doubted. Some of them were, um, some of them were scared. Some of them were confused was a big one. So when we look at the, how we actually receive and talk about the resurrection, how should we handle it? Um, when I searched up, because I also do graphics, and, I, and, I, and so I'm always trying to pull inspiration from things, and I was like, what do people do for Easter? So I just went to Google Images and typed Easter, and let's show, let me show you what came up. So this is what Easter is to most people, and I was like, oh, okay, that's not going to be helpful for me today. Um, but I realized that we have so little ability of, of how we conceptualize this event and talk about this because it is so, um, there's, there's no parallels. There's, there's nothing like it. In the church life, there's nothing like the resurrection. And so we sort of lean on colorful eggs and cute bunnies, and those are all great. And we have, an, we have a trail in our house that starts at each kid's door with jelly beans that leads to their thing, and it's fantastic, and I love all of that. But when I'm thinking about this, this is the key defining thing of our faith. And so if we miss it, if we bypass it, if it just becomes another day to wear pastel and eat yummy things and have arbitrary things to to play around, we can't miss it because this is the, the revolutionary piece of our faith. This is the thing that sets us apart. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the one thing. It is the primary thing. It is the thing that we can't get wrong. And so I want to talk about it because I think that we need to hold it in three ways. I think we need to talk about it as a historical event, a cosmic reordering, and an invitation. And so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of metaphors that I've heard as I was preparing for this. One um, that I have some history with, but there is a teaching pastor who I love that, that was talking about, about Easter as a spring day that would pop in in a very cold winter. Now, if any of you grew up not in Southern California where you understand what cold means and what cold is... Um, Raise your hand if you grew up where you experienced real cold. So we have some people here that this will connect with. If you don't understand what I'm about to say, talk to one of those people that just raised their hand. But um, in the cold winters, out of nowhere, would have, just without warning, there would be a warm day that would appear. And it would show up, and it would be for maybe one or two days. And just like that, it would go away. And it was something to enjoy in that moment, but it was also a hint of the spring to come. It would remind you, it would, actually, it, it would actually remind you of a hope that maybe you had lost touch with as things were just cold, dark, wet the whole time. When, a, when this warm day would a, appear, 
all these pasty people would come out of their houses and just play outside. But it was also something that would really, it would remind us of what's to come. Now, the parallel that has happened recently in California is we would have a very nice 75 temperature day. And then it would be 100 for like two days as it recently did. And it would remind us of the scorching death deathly heat that is to come. So that is the parallel we have here. It does not work as well for Easter. But for me, the parallel works really well as I, um, I travel a lot in my photography work, or I used to. And um, I loved everything about the whole, and some people hate airports. I love to just take my time. I love to watch people. I love, I love when you fly into a new place and the actual announcements in the airplane change to the language where you're headed. Like, there's something that, I, that brings me life about that. I love the whole experience. And I remember um, when everything shut down in 2020, um, I, I did not recognize how important that was and how formative that had been in me to kind of travel to these new places and experience new cultures and just see the beautiful creation that is around us. And um, this was not something that I did intentionally, but at Costco, sometimes certain snacks will be on sale. This is all going to connect soon. <laughs> so please stick with me. I promise this is all related. Um, Biscoff cookies were on sale, and I was like, I'm getting those for sure. And they were on sale recently, so go pick yourself up some Biscoff cookies. But um, that as I was eating it, I, I was like, oh, this tastes like travel, because that's what they offer on the airplane. And I was like, oh, my gosh. Like it, it like reminded me of all of those traveling experiences that I had had. And if my imagination was not such that I could think that this might happen again, like I might be free to go out and do these things, this happened very early on in, uh, in the pan- pandemic. But um, I was like, if my imagination said, like, you're never going to travel again, that experience would have been just grief. It would have been sad. I would have been reminded of something that I'll never touch again. I would have been reminded of something that I'll never experience again. But knowing that I would have that opportunity again instilled hope, reminded me of something in the past, something as simple as this cookie reminded me of something that I had hope of. And when I think of something like talking about the resurrection resurrection of of Jesus, the reason that it can bring us hope now, even when things don't look the way that, that we think they will, is it is a reminder of the life that is to come, of hope that we will taste, of ways that we will be resurrected, of, of, of ways that things will ultimately be made right in the kingdom to come. And there's a trick here, and it's at the end, so hang with me, but there's an invitation to us that says, oh, and that new life that new life in the kingdom to come, I'm going to provide you a way of living that allows that warmth, that spring day, that beauty to break into your life here and now. That the trick is not that we just hang on for things to be right later, which is what the last two years have felt like so much is just hanging on. Like, please get me back onto a plane so I can go take pretty pictures of cool places again so that I can eat a cookie on an airplane and drink bad coffee and experience all these things that I love so much. It, was, it just felt like a hanging on, but the beauty is that we are actually given in the r- resurrection story 
a model of how we are to live now that invites that resurrected life right now. And it spreads that beauty and goodness out to the people around us. So let's talk about the resurrection event. Because I think that as we talk about this, the thing that I want to remind us is that as the church, the call of the church is that this resurrection dominates our imaginations. That as we forget, as we, as we have a really hard time hanging on to hope, that our imaginations as Christian people, as the church, has got to be dominated by the reality of a resurrected Christ. So I want to go back, and I want to reread verse 16. So this is Luke 24. This is verse 16. It says, But their eyes were kept from recognizing him, and he said to them, What is this conversation you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas answered, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here? And it reminded me, like, imagine walking around the day after the Oscars and not knowing about Chris Rock and Will Smith and just being like, wait, what happened? Everybody was talking about it. Like, everybody knew what had happened 17 seconds after it happened. And I was just thinking, like, this is the, oh, you don't know about Chris Rock and Will Smith event. It was like, everyone's talking about this. On every side, this was the most major highlighted place where all of a sudden these crowds of people and Jesus coming in is saying, no, I want you to tell me what's happening. I I need to hear it from you. I want to hear how you took it. And so now let's flip to Matthew 28 because as we look in other places in the Gospels, we see some other really interesting things that had happened. So this is from the... Resurrection narrative, Matthew 28, verse 11, it says, While they were going, behold, some of the guard went into the city and told the chief priests all that had taken place. And when they had assembled the elders and had taken counsel, they gave a sufficient sum of money to the soldiers and said, Tell people his disciples came by night and stole him away while we were asleep. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So they took the money and did as they were directed, and the story has been spread among the Jews to this day. If they did not believe he rose from the dead in that moment, they would not have paid these soldiers money to keep quiet. The soldiers would have been punished. Because if they truly believed that he did not raise from the dead, then that would mean that either the soldiers were in on a plot or that they were lazy and fell asleep. Roman soldiers do not fall asleep on watch. They knew those things did not happen. They believed at that moment the resurrected Jesus was a real thing. All sides knew when he died and, they, and, and he said, surely this was the son of God. People knew, people believed, and yet you see the way that we are invited to actually walk into that resurrected reality, it doesn't really matter if at church we talk about the fact that we believe it. It doesn't really matter that we can say these words. Coming in, dressing nice, having yummy snacks, and saying these words, saying Christ is risen, he's risen in Deed, that's great, and that's good, and we should be saying those things. 
but the people who actually paid off Roman soldiers to lie believed too. They also said, he has risen indeed. They knew he had risen. So this event is something that is, was undeniable. And so let's talk about now this resurrection as a cosmic reordering. And we can't talk about this event without talking about what got us here. And so this is going to be sort of a, a Reader's Digest version of what Jesus did on that road to Emmaus. It's um, God created everything, and he called it good, and there was beautiful order, and there was harmony, shalom with each other, and then that was broken. And so there was a belief now that there was scarcity, that there wasn't enough. And so God creates a plan, and he puts Israel as the plan through which he would accomplish all of these tasks of reordering things, of showing the world that the correct order is, is to welcome the outsider, that there is abundance, that, you, that the Lord will fight for you, all of these things. And that project failed. And so there was a radical move to send his son to do this work, to reorder, sending Jesus incarnate to, re, to reorder things and to remind us of the good working order of things to where um, if you would want to save your life, you would lose it. But if you want to gain your life, you would lay it down. That the actual correct order is that there's no greater love than somebody that would lay down his life for his friends. That the, that the, that the rich are poor, the strong are weak, the weak are strong, the last will be made first. Everything gets flipped upside down, not as something that's new, but as a reminder to that original, intended, beautiful, created order in which we are living in proper relationship with each other, with the earth, and with God. So Jesus coming is this beautiful reminder of this cosmic reordering. And the beautiful thing about that and that happening now is that it shows us that we are actually invited into this new way of being in this life now, not just the life to come, that we are living in this parallel where there's eternal life, life on earth, and is moving like this. And then at one point, one of them will drop off and the other one will continue on. And that the way that we live impacts both of those at the same time. That is why when we're taught to pray, we're taught to pray your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We would not have been taught to pray that way if what this was was just eternal salvation for some other time in some other place. The call is that we would live in a way that actually brings the kingdom on earth now. We are, when we live into this reality, we usher in spring day reminders into the Hold, and that leads us to our last point. What does this mean for Long Beach and LBCF? Because this is all great, and I was up, and I had all this prepared, and I was trying to prepare my notes, and then as I was laying, trying to sleep, the thought that hit me, and, and I hope the thought that, that hits all of us is, okay, this is all great. What does this mean? 
How, how is this important for our community? How do we actually live into this in a way that, um, that brings resurrected reality to our communities that are broken, to our neighborhoods that are broken, to our broken relationships, to all the ways over the last two years we've experienced various kinds of dying, death, pain, things that feel anything like a resurrected reality. Surely this has to mean something now. And so I believe that what this is calling us into, this is calling us into an invitation. Our role as the church is to see the world in light of the fact that no matter what the world could throw at you, that that is never the last word. No matter how painful things could get, and believe me, they do get painful, and believe me, just because they had just experienced a resurrected Jesus, the apostles, the disciples' lives did not get easier. Their lives got much harder. Things got worse. Sorry. (laughs) Like, not a fun Easter message to say, except for that if you read in Hebrews, oh, I wanted to catch that so bad. Oh, man, that would have been so cool. Um, if you read in Hebrews 12, you'll see that, that the people who actually bought into this story, it says that, that when the world threw the worst at them, when things got as bad as they could possibly get, that they did not abandon their faith because they had something stronger holding them. It talks about these people who endured the most painful thing that that you could imagine. And they had a confidence that I long for. And I really think that when we experience the the true dark places, when, when you really look at Lent as we have been, we've been spending the last five weeks talking about Holy Week, and it got darker and darker and scarier. Yesterday is a day that we remember that that everybody that bought into this story thought that it was all lost. It was gone. They had no hope. This person who they believed was the Messiah that would come rescue. As we see in the story in Luke, they are they are just mourning and grieving the fact that this hope that they were longing for was over. And then Sunday comes, and in that comes an invitation. If you look in John 21, and I encourage you to do that at home too, you'll see this story called the, resur- or the, uh, the Restoration of Peter. And this Restoration of Peter is when Jesus approaches him and asks, do you love me? And a way that Jesus offers that resurrected life to a person who had just abandoned him in his lowest moment said, go care for my people. He offers him the resurrection in that moment. Peter was full of shame. And if anybody here has ever felt a deep amount of shame, If somebody offers you a pathway out of that, that's life. 
somebody offers you a pathway and forgives you for something that you've done that was unforgivable. That's resurrection. That is an invitation. That is a spring day in a cold, bitter winter. And Jesus says, when you follow me, I'm actually going to say, as it says in 2 Corinthians 1, that we comfort those with the comfort we have received. That you have received the invitation into an eternal life. Now, Jesus took his resurrected life and in turn, turned and resurrected others and offered them life. The beauty of the resurrection is that a rightly order that it is not a rightly ordered life after death. Resurrection shows us that we can have a rightly ordered life of peace and shalom and we can invite in these these eternal kingdom qualities, this eternal life before death. If we can start talking about resurrection, not as life once we die sometime later, because it is that, of course, and you'll hear in church all the time, the now and the not yet. And I think that that is absolutely true. But what I want to pay attention to is that the invitation now is that as we look at Christ, live like Christ, choose to believe, choose to actually walk in it, that we don't just repeat the words, but that we actually live in a way that he called us to, that is actually an invitation into eternal life before we die. Eternal life now. It's not just to us or for us, but it is through us. Can you pull up Romans 8? I have it here. It says, But if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Look at that. He will give life to your mortal bodies. If this resurrection was just about your spirit sometime in the future, this would have never been written. The fact is that the resurrection has consequence now. Here, as we live into it, the invitation is that resurrection would come through us to each other as well, that we are called to live into that. And we are called also today, Easter, to look and to give praise to Jesus who paid that price for us. And as we look and as you'll read in Micah 4, uh, we won't go there now Micah 4 is this beautiful story of of painting the picture of what it will look like. Someday we won't go to war with each other anymore. Someday in the future we won't hate each other anymore. We won't take from each other anymore. Micah 4 paints this picture where, where he's just drawing on hope. The prophet is just drawing on hope of how it will look. And then if you get about three quarters of the way through and he says, but now... Things are painful. But now it's not like that. And I'll tell you that when I saw the head line that said that there was peace, peace talks that were about to happen with Ukraine and, and Russia, I was like, I felt resurrection start to well up in me. I felt like, oh my gosh, we're about to, we're, 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 we're starting to talk towards peace. And I know that things haven't looked that 
way, but I hang on to any, any hint of resurrected life. I'll take it all. I'll take any of it. So the call for us is where are you looking for the living among the dead? Where have you hung your hope in any other place? Where do you long for res- resurrection? And I want to just take a minute and just let you open your heart before the Lord and ask him where maybe he sees the death that you've experienced over the last year. The Lord knows where you need resurrected life most. And also, where have you experienced that resurrected life in such a way that you can in turn go and offer that to others? How can we walk in this resurrected life so that we do not just acknowledge it with how we think, but see it as an invitation of something to walk in? Now we will turn towards taking communion because this is our pattern as Christians. The pattern is that we lay our lives down in the baptism water. That It is our job to lay our lives down and it is God's job always to resurrect. That's the pattern always. And when we take communion, we remind ourselves of this story that not only do we look at and appreciate from afar, but we actually take it in. And it becomes a part of who we are materially now for our mortal bodies now. That the resurrected reality has got to show up in our broken neighborhoods, our broken families, our broken healthcare systems, our broken governments, our broken minds, the way that we think, the way that we are constantly arguing and putting each other to death all the time, this resurrected life has got to make sense for that now. And so when we take communion, we are reminded and we tell that story again that the life of Christ, we desire it so much to be one with us. And so I'm going to ask the band to come up and we are going to have one communion table. We have grape juice and bread. Um, and wine here as well. And so feel free to take that what you want. Um, You can come up at your own pace, and the pastors will be up here. We'll sing some songs, and then once we are done, we're going to have time to hang out on the patio, and I would encourage you to spend some time and offer each other some of that warmth, some of that resurrected good life. And so let me close us now in prayer um, as we move towards worship. Lord, as we think about your resurrection, Lord, would we be encouraged and grateful of the price that you paid that none of us are being asked to, that the event happened and it was reordering. Lord, we thank you that it's only through your resurrected reality that all the ways you call us to live make any sense at all. So, Lord, would we talk about this? Would we remember this? Would we also respond to the invitation to take the 
resurrected reality that you've worked in us and in turn offer it to our neighbors, but not just our neighbors, to our enemies. Lord, that, that we would do those, that wild move and, and say, um, with the comfort that we've received, could we comfort others? And in that way, show us how to walk into this reality. Because it's through that that you have a rescue plan that brings life into our earth now. And for all the ways that we don't see it happening, Lord, would you help us to offer up our imaginations knowing that ultimately in your kingdom, you will make it all right. You will make it all whole. That you will bring life into all places. In your name we We hope this teaching has encouraged and challenged you. We always have more resources available at our website, lbcf.org. And wherever you are and wherever you're listening, we pray you be filled with grace to learn to live in love like Jesus.